Garage. Nope. Here we go. Start it. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 395, June 4th, 2020. The high on this day occurred in 1968 when it was 26 degrees. And yes, Aquaside was in business back then. And these kids were swimming on weed free beaches because their parents were smart enough to get Aquaside over there and get rid of the vegetation and the algae and the weeds. Uh, they've been doing this since 1956. These products that Aquaside has are easy to use. They work right away. And those products are registered with both the EPA and the DNR, and they're safe for you, the fish, and your family. No need to let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer, and the swimming season is just getting underway. There's time to make that beach perfect. Call Aquaside. They'll identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. You can call them at one 800 328 9350 or go to aquaside.com. The law on this day occurred uh, in 1990 and 1998. On each occasion, it was 38 degrees. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Uh, Drew Brees, the New Orleans Saints quarterback, has apologized for remarks that were called insensitive. Uh, the remark that was thought to be insensitive is, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. I don't think he needed to apologize, but I do think he he's in a, a, not, a no-win situation. Yep. He just can't say anything. But here's, here's what's missing from our national dialogue. I would not immediately jump from Drew Brees saying, he doesn't agree with people disrespecting the flag to condemning him of racism. But that's where we are now. That's 2020 for you in a nutshell. I'm I'm capable of of looking at the career of Drew Brees and realize his his friends are black people, his fellow co-workers are black people, but he's accused of insensitivity because he uh, was uh, citing his affection for the American flag. Also on, on, on Twitter today, I saw two amazing videos. One is a bunch of young women cleaning graffiti off a federal building somewhere, and they get accused by a woke white person of being racist because the woke white person who you don't see, she's filming it, accuses them of not honoring black lives by trying to clean the graffiti. And there's another one where a woke white woman with her mask on confronts a black woman I believe in Washington, D.C., and the black woman says, what the hell are you? D- I'm a free person. I enjoy my life. Leave mm-hmm. me alone. Did you see that one? <laughs> it's, just that a, one. it's just amazing. And this woke white person won't give up. She was desperate. She was desperate for the young black lady to understand that the woke white person was her savior. Yeah, I don't need you, lady. And by the way, speaking of Drew Brees, Joe, uh, someone had tweeted this. I believe this is a person that covers the uh, Saints in the in the New Orleans area. 
Drew Brees donated $5 million to New Orleans for COVID relief, providing 10,000 meals a day for mm-hmm. residents in Louisiana, a community that's over 70% African-American. I get people are upset by his comments, but how about some perspective? Well, there is no perspective, and that's unfortunately what we're losing. Uh, it's it's shameful to be living in a country where a guy can't say what he said without being accused of racism. Yep. Oh, it's this cancel culture that we oh. live in. And I thought Drew's um, second statement clarified things, uh, and he apologized for being, uh, you know, out out of touch and everything. And I thought he made it right. And I, I think everybody then was okay with it, were, were they not? Yeah. The only. The only answer for Drew Brees is he just can't say anything. Yep. <laughs> Which is getting us closer to the point of not being able to communicate with each no, other. No, 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 no. You can't say anything if you're white. Yeah, I guess that's it. Two not necessarily unrelated items. Got an email from Peggy who writes, My mom died on April 6, 2020 at 12.30 p.m. of a stroke. She was in the hospital for a week before she died alone because of COVID. She died alone again because of COVID. We were only allowed a small service at the funeral home, no church service at all, again because of COVID. She was a strong Catholic, and not being able to have a church service at the proper time was heartbreaking to her children. If we had been allowed a proper funeral, there would have been at least 200 people at the service who knew my mom, share stories, and be together to celebrate the life she lived. Some of her grandchildren could not attend her service because they were out of state or were not allowed to travel in. I am heartbroken as to what happened to George Floyd and know we have taken many steps backwards regarding racism. But I wonder why it's okay for a funeral service of 600 people who did not even know George Floyd to be allowed. So many of us lost loved ones during COVID and we were not allowed this because we followed the rules. I am disgusted in the way our local leaders have given the city of Minneapolis to rioters and looters. Minnesota had the opportunity to lead and show how to properly handle these tragic events. But instead, we failed not only the people in the state of Minnesota, we failed the United States, and now other states are in flames. Hate and fear is at an all-time high, and we are not a united front. Where is our pride? Well, pride, I, I, I think, is a word we haven't... We haven't looked at enough. We, we, along with shame, which we've lost, we're losing pride. As to the memorial service for Floyd, it certainly was to be anticipated. He, he is the national topic right now. And, of course, it was to be anticipated that a memorial service would be held from him. It'll be held at 2 o'clock today at North Central University's Sanctuary in downtown Minneapolis. Floyd's relatives from across the country and Ben Crump, the civil rights attorney who is representing Floyd's family, will be speaking. Uh, The Reverend Al Sharpton will give the eulogy. Mayor Jacob Fry said he plans on attending. I also believe that uh, the governor plans on attending. And I, I I just say... you're the political class, and you're going to do what you want. You're not leading the lives of Peggy Lavenger, who lost her mother and couldn't even have a funeral because she's not in the political class. Nope. Different rules. And again, I am not suggesting that a memorial service should not be held for Floyd, but why shouldn't it be held the same way all of the rest of us have to have a memorial service? Or better yet, just let everybody have their memorial Mm -hmm. services. That's exactly what I was thinking. 
For goodness sake, Such, the governor himself was at 38th and Chicago yesterday, and there's not a lot of social distancing going on there. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, there's hugging, and rightfully so. But what would what would be the ramifications if someone had said, you know, because I know, Joe, you had family that had attended a funeral a few weeks ago and said the same thing. What if someone just said, screw it, I don't care, this is my dad or this is my mom or whatever, we're having a, we're having a funeral? Well, it's the same question we've asked uh, restaurateurs, restaurateurs, you know, why don't you just say the hell with it and open up, see if they're going to arrest you. Well, they can close a business, but this is a one, you know, this would be just a one-day deal. The, the, the point we've been making for the last 10 days, and the larger point is that the government, the state, has been extremely competent in clamping down on behavior, with the exception of not being able to clamp down on the behavior of the people who attempted to destroy the Twin Cities. They've been very tough on uh, telling me that I can't have a funeral for my grandmother. They've been very tough on that. They've been very tough on people who own restaurants. They've been very tough on people who own gyms and barbershops, but they are not capable of being tough across the board. And so now you literally have people who can't mourn their own mother in a proper way. And yet today, God knows how many people will attend a memorial service for George Floyd. It's, a, it's, it's hypocrisy that we can't even begin to understand. Let me repeat for the euphorians who love to listen to the show and just can't admit it to their friends. I, I certainly anticipated a memorial service for George Floyd. And there should be one. Absolutely. Yes. But you all better understand the hypocrisy of the political class. This is now an optic for them. This is a photo op for them. This is a... This is a moment to show how woke they are. It, Fry takes the cake. It takes the cake. He let the city burn down, for God's sake. It's just bricks and mortar, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, did you see the picture on page B3 of today's uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune? It's a, it's a Ray of Hope picture. It's kids from... Uh, boy, am I hearing an echo, Reeves, but that's because Johnny's on, right? Yep, that's the bad. listeners aren't hearing it. No. All right. Uh, Kids from uh, Lakeville North, Lakeville South, and Farmington High School gathered at what's called Antlers Park in Lakeville. I I don't know the name of that lake that that's on. uh, And they're shown uh, no social distancing, no masks, throwing each other in the water. And the Star Tribune headline uh, photo caption is, Fun in the Summery Sun. And there's not one word of admonishment in this little bright (laughs) spot to to, to, uh, hector these kids or to point out they should have been socially distancing. Uh, I, I, I took it as a ray of hope because I think, I think that uh, you ought to be able to have a funeral. If these kids can gather at the beach like this and not get hectored, why couldn't they have a graduation ceremony? Yeah, no kidding. Why couldn't you figure out how to have a graduation ceremony, even if it meant spreading chairs out on the football field? That would be Marion Lake just off of 35, sir, in Lakeville. Sure, yeah, I know where. I think I know where it is. Okay. Apparently, it's a big enough recreational lake to have speedboats. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty decent-sized lake. Yeah. Hmm. So they can go there, gather. They were, they were deprived of their prom. They were deprived of their graduations. But I guess you can just get together at the beach now. I also read today that no new COVID cases have sprung up as a result of that large gathering uh, at Lake of the Ozarks, which made I so much news over Memorial Day. Yeah. One, one at least is, okay, is one. all I've heard. Yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we're still a week away from knowing whether the uh, disturbances in Minneapolis will result in a spike of COVID. Ironically, George Floyd himself had COVID. Yeah. With no symptoms. Right. He tested positive for COVID with no symptoms. Pride, uh, that woman mentions pride. Where is our pride? I'm afraid pride has gone out the window along with shame. You know, all Drew Brees, to me, just was suggesting he has a little pride in the flag. But he's not allowed to. He Well, you know, I've been thinking about this ever since you brought it up. Yep. What he basically said was he wouldn't take a knee because of the flag, but that's not why people were taking a knee. Right. So I think right. that's why the optic hit right. people wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a you're different... Right. It's a different subject. I mean, he, you know, people were taking a knee because of what they saw as police brutality, not right, because right. they disrespected the flag. I get you. Although that's right. what it turned into. And then someone had, re- you guys are familiar with the, the Twitter video of the security guard barely patting down anyone as they're walking into, I think it was Giant Stadium. You guys are familiar with the, that video? I'm not. not seen no. It. Okay. Well, it's a regular meme. Well, in any event, you know, because he's, he's doing nothing. And that's what someone said. A picture of the Saints' offensive line in 2020. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh-huh. I guess you got to really be an NFL fan to get that one. Am I the only flag lover so that wasn't upset by the taking of a knee? It no, I, I was. I on the air said I wasn't upset by it. And and, and, and I'm a flag nut. Letters. I mean, the hat comes off and the hand goes over mm-hmm. the heart, and I sing along and tear up. Yeah. Everything, but but I didn't see any problem with uh, but, but Colin when Kaepernick he, taking yeah, it. Yeah, when he he told us why, I'm like, oh, I get it. But I think I'm not my, trying to pat myself on the back about that. It's just <laughs> I don't know. It's, maybe I'm just lazy in my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to be checked on air, but I think I just got to the position where I didn't care one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't worth uh, it wasn't worth worth the national distress that was brought about. But again, that just goes along with what you said earlier. That's where we're at, where yeah. you know where people are going to just take and run and freak out about it. You'll recall yesterday I uh, read to you the letter posted by extortionists uh, on a utility pole in Highland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will read it to you again because John Height, you were not here. I did listen though. So okay, okay. Do I still have it? Uh, Interesting twist on that story, too, I discovered after the broadcast, after we taped. Hello, Highland Village. These flyers are being posted in your area due to the socioeconomic status your town holds. The average household income for Highland Village is $166,243. If you want your luxury stores to stop being looted, then use your privilege and socioeconomic advantages to simply to sip to amplify and aid the voices of the movement and was signed justice for george black lives matter no justice for peace and among the uh, among the flaws i saw in this the inaccuracies is where did they come up with the uh, with the average income of 166 grand <laughs> uh, kelsey's in the real estate business he said, you guys must have had a spectacular last two years in Highland if the household income is over 160 grand. As recent as these 2018 statistics, the median household income from Highland was about half that. Huh. So these extortionists, of course, are, are portraying the area as wealthy when uh, it's probably not as wealthy as many areas of Minneapolis or whatever. What I learned, Such, is that that letter and that posting was initially put up 
at Highland Village in Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. Huh. And the same thing was put up here. It's yeah, on, I sense uh, it, it. I sense this is a national activist movement. In Texas, it borders Louisville Lake, and uh, it looks like a lovely spot. Mm-hmm. Kelsey comes up in the news again today, corresponding Kelsey. Uh, Gary writes, I own a home near Snelling and Randolph for 28 years. I sold my home and moved to Mendota Heights last fall. My political leanings were a little more leftward 28 years ago, but I was already in change. Like I tell people, I was a liberal, but then worked on straight commission, got married, bought a home in a big city, and had a child. All in that order. Amazing, isn't it? My son went to grade (laughs) school with the blessed St. McLaren, meaning rookie's daughter. I love my my one-and-a-half-story stucco bungalow. I love my neighbors. I was becoming the old salt on my block and loved watching my neighborhood turn over with new families and kids. When I worked from home, I could hear the kids play. I'm not sure how families today can pay the mortgage on what a house costs today and pay insurance, taxes, car payments, school debt, and daycare. Living in the big city means you pay more. I get that. But the blatant disregard for basic city services, road repair, plowing, and policing while focusing all their energy on garbage collection and bike paths. I heard through the grapevine that they were thinking of taking over alley plowing. I paid 20 bucks a year to, for my alley plowing. Sometimes in a big snowstorm, we got plowed at least twice. Many times, three times. You think the city would do this? It was time to go. Love it in Mendota Heights. Gary, and then he adds as a P.S. And when I was in the process of selling my home, I started chatting with the home appraiser. He noticed our Garage Logic coffee cup. We got chatting about Garage Logic, and I told him I knew Rookie and uh, a salesman named Skilly that's no longer with us. He introduced himself as offsite correspondent Kelsey. Huh. It was nice oh. to meet him. It was nice to meet oh. him. Cool. So when the, when Kelsey provides stats on income, he's getting them from the correct sources. This is minnesotacompass.org, Profiles of Neighborhoods. And he went to Highland, and it's about uh, 80 grand if that. <clears throat> so these extortionists are just lying. They have no idea. No, you mean they don't have real facts to back up their logic? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Got to read you a note. Hail the flashlight king. Hail, Hail you. 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 It is with great sadness <laughs> that I write this email. I've been to Grunhofer's numerous times. I have never been disappointed, and I'm still not. At least not with them. I recently moved to an RV into an RV on a permanent basis, basis. And before I did, I made a Grun run. One of the things I bought, the meatloaf. Nice. I haven't had meatloaf since I was a child because my mom did not make a very good one. But after listening to the podcast, I knew I had to try it. The problem, I can't get the oven to work in my RV. Oh, so no. I'm sitting here, oh, so I'm sitting here with a perfectly good meatloaf that Reavers would devour, but I have no way to cook it. I suppose I could try grilling it, but I have a cheap, sorry, tabletop grill that I don't think would do the trick. And since my campground is, is new construction, I'm the only one here right now. So it's not like I can have somebody else cook it for me. Hopefully I'll get this figured out and I can follow up with another email <laughs> telling you how great I thought the meatloaf was. In the meantime, I can't stress how awesome the sweet and heat jerky, the brats, and the rookie burgers have been. I do have two ribeyes in my freezer that I will put on my cheap, stupid grill, and I'm sure they'll be amazing. Hey, Reavers, Town Bowl, do you know Chad Christensen from New London, Spicer, Wilmer? Or his son, Cole, who pitches for the Raymond Rockets? 
We played the Raymond Rock. It's actually That's a great, enough answer. great town ball story. It's <laughs> enough answer. Love the podcast. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Good luck, Sherry. Uh, she, of course, is talking about our friends at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. I let listeners do our spots for Grunhofer's because they're telling you the straight truth. They get there, they buy the products, they get home, and they can't believe that we've been telling them the truth. They can't believe that we've been telling them the truth. Uh, the meatloaf is in demand. Reavers is laying off buying meatloaf this week to give other people a chance to get their own uh, oven-ready homemade meatloaf. I do what just, I can, Mayor. Which is just among the many, many treats available at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, right on Highway 61. And Terry sent us an email along those lines. Maybe this is good advice. Terry says, Reavers, try cooking the meatloaf in the smoker. I do do not think you will be disappointed. And that's from Terry Savoy. So there you go. Yeah. There's GLers helping out GLers. I wonder yeah. if she's got a smoker that she could use with the RV. Well, we'll be back shortly. With everything going on, maybe a little getaway is in order. Head on over to Siren, Wisconsin, where we would love it if you could book a tee time with our partners at Siren National Golf Club. It's just a 90-minute drive from the cities. You can play around in a beautiful, natural setting away from all the noise and the news. Go up and recharge, refresh, and be home in time for dinner. Our friends Jeff and Sarah are the owners and are true fans of Garage Logic, and they have a full staff of GL listeners up there in Siren. They love it. So they are fully open now. The clubhouse the beverage cart they are good to go they even have charging ports in the carts if you really want to stay connected it's a beautiful 19 hole championship course yes they have an extra hole you really have to see the beauty of this course for yourself check out a hole by hole video tour at their website right now sirennational.com it's perfect for both veteran and beginner golfers it's also very affordable Jeff and Sarah have price rounds very fair. They want people to have fun without breaking the bank. Book your tee times now at sirennational.com. We would love it if you could make the trip over to Siren. Flashlight, check. Tool belt, check. Attitude, check. He's going in. Joe Suchere. Joe, I'm sitting here listening to your June 3rd podcast. That would be yesterday. I'm sending you a photo of one of those gun-toting, pickup-driving hayseeds guarding the Capitol on Sunday night. Our son Tyler joined the National Guard his senior year of high school. He was called up on Saturday. Like every member of the Guard, he dropped everything, packed a bag, and away he went. He is a small-town kid who likes to hunt and fish, and yes, he drives a pickup. Keep in mind that that pickup belonged to his late grandfather, who was the Wabasha County Sheriff for 15 years. Cool. Given a choice, I'll take the gun-toting. He's the second one from the right. Oh, given, given a choice, I'll take the gun-toting hayseeds over any member of the Minneapolis City Council any day. He's the second one from the right, Tina. And she sent me a picture of her son, and she's proud. I just want to mention this email because I hope Tina didn't misunderstand me. I wasn't ripping gun-toting pickup no, driving hayseeds no, no, yesterday. No, no, I was no, no, praising no. them. We, we, the left is, is demanded that we fear gun-toting pickup truck driving hayseeds. They've demanded that we fear them because they're not woke enough. They don't live next to the country's tallest buildings. Well, they certainly didn't cause any problems. <laughs> they haven't caused any problems. And as we said yesterday, if they did come to town, they were only here to help. Mm-hmm. Only here to help. So, Tina, I think you got the message. I, I, I'm, I'm oh. not concerned you, that I misunder, that you misunderstood me. I'll bet that's Boy. a great pickup, huh? Oh. The Such 
this that's got to be, be something perfect. from the 60s. Yeah. Oh, you, can you forward me the email? I got to see it now. Well, there's this no picture a, of it. No, there's no picture oh. of the pickup truck. This would be a perfect time to remind GLers that DKMags.com up on Old 8 in New Brighton and Monticello Pond and Gun, they offer firearms, ammunition, accessories for law-abiding citizens of Gumption County and everywhere else. Now, you can ask me, you can ask Joe, Reavers, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, anything you want about firearms, all we can offer is opinions. Uh, however, you go up to DK Mags, you email them, you call them, step in in person, you're going to get solid facts, sound advice. And I know you might be thinking about it right now. Who can blame you? You're thinking about a firearm maybe for personal protection, maybe for home protection. There is a difference. Or maybe you're just a hunter or sporting competitions. It doesn't matter. Uh, head to dkmags.com. They're GLers up there. Same with Monticello Pond and Gun. They're here to help us all out. And if you are in the military or a veteran thereof or law enforcement, thank you, number one. Number two, 5% discount. A gun shop run by GLers for GLers. dkmags.com. Good luck. You know what's selling like crazy? Guns hmm. and bicycles. Guns yeah. and bicycles. Yeah. Here's John Hyde, our newsman. Thank you, Joe. This uh, news brought to you by Siren National Golf Club. Governor Walls signing an executive order on Wednesday to activate the Minnesota National Guard in Clay County and surrounding areas to provide safety and protection during demonstrations planned in North Dakota in the wake of George Floyd's death. He said the Minnesota National Guard stands ready to provide protection for all Minnesotans. According to the press release, local law enforcement authorities are aware of credible threats of violent activities during the demonstrations planned in North Dakota that could impact nearby Minnesota communities. The Guard Adjutant General will work with local government agencies to provide personnel, equipment, and facilities needed to respond as necessary. This executive order is effective immediately. I have not been out and about today. Is there a guard presence still in the Twin Cities? Uh, in my commute in, I did not see, and this was the first day I have not seen uh, any presence. But that doesn't mean that they aren't here. I, just, yeah. I did not personally see one. I don't know about today, but my uh, son yesterday uh, followed a convoy for a while. I, I believe they were on Hiawatha or Minnehaha or something. He said it was uh, surreal and awesome all at the same time. Were they heading in or out? <laughs> uh, just driving right neighborhoods. Just driving, huh. you know, oh, okay. driving the yep. neighborhood. Headed somewhere. Sure. I don't know where. As Kenny sure. would say, they were going to take and go. Yep. <laughs> Gonna take and go. <laughs> One time I was, uh, when I was in the band that I was in, we all rented a house, and we had a house in St. Paul, and and uh, yeah. apparently things got a little loud one night, and the... Um, <clears throat> The police came to the door of this place we're renting and uh, had an entryway, you know, an entryway as opposed to a porch. And the entryway was stacked with amps and stuff, and it was just packed. And the cop just looked at us and said, you moving in or you moving out? (laughs) Protesters in Washington last night saying Amazing Grace, the sixth night of protests, and said they're not going anywhere. As the protesters sang Enchanted, law enforcement officers stood watching over the crowd, which stretched down 16th Street near the White House. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser imposed an 11 p.m. curfew after a peaceful night of protests. Curfew had been 7 p.m. Uh, this morning, a fence going up around the White House. 
Have you guys seen uh, the Reverend Tim's daily video briefings? Yes. They're, I saw I've become, some. Yeah. become highly addicted to those. Right. And yesterday, he broke out into song and actually sang Amazing Grace. And I was in my garage just belting it out. <laughs> <laughs> I sang along with them. <laughs> Special prosecutor for the state of Georgia said Thursday morning that evidence in the killing of Ahmed Arbery shows the young black man was repeatedly boxed in by two pickup trucks as he tried to escape. The lead Georgia Bureau of Investigation agent in the case testified that the white driver of the first pickup, Travis McMichael, got out and shot Arbery during a scuffle, first of three shots with a pump-action shotgun that sent Arbery staggering and falling onto the ground. Agent Richard Dial said the driver of the second pickup, William Bryan, said he heard the gunman use a racist slur as he stood over Arbery's body before police got there. Special Prosecutor Jesse Evans said Arbery was chased, hunted down, and ultimately executed. The evidence presented to support murder charges against McMichael and his father as well as Brian. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis breaking months of public silence on President Trump since resigning in protest in December 2018, offering a withering critique yesterday of the president's leadership amid the protests in the country. Mattis wrote, Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. We're witnessing the consequences of three years of this deliberate effort. We're witnessing the consequences of three years without mature leadership. Mattis is a retired four-star Marine Corps general, also criticized comments by the current defense secretary, Mark Esper, who in recent days has described protest sites across the nation as a battle space to be cleared. Mattis writing, we must reject any thinking of our cities as a battle space and that our uniformed military is called upon to dominate. Uh, back in 2013, Mattis pushed out of his job as head of the military's U.S. Central Command by President Obama's administration because he was viewed as too much of a hawk on Iran policy during the Obama administration. His condemnation carries huge weight in military circles where he remains hugely influential. I don't understand how Trump has the nerve to be so dismissive of veteran military people. I, That's not a good look. You know. I, I was given a hat, a cap, by the the guys who are, are on the submarine, the USS Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I won't even wear it. Right. I, I'm yeah. not entitled to wear that. I have right. it on display in my garage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not entitled to wear that. And he he's ripping these guys who have... I just don't get it. I I, I shouldn't. Well, be and, conti- and, and it, it doesn't make any sense because on his you know campaign platform before he was elected, I mean he was all in on the support of military, yeah. which yeah. I don't I don't understand this move. He's 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 got a whole bundle of them now who who are not appreciative, shall we say, of the president. No. Uh, not only did Jim Mattis call out the president yesterday, but somewhat surprisingly, so did Dwayne Johnson. Oh no, Rock. you don't mess with the Rock. The Rock. Huh? In a video posted online, Johnson starts out uh, starts out by asking, where are you? Where is our leader? Where is our leader at this time when our country is down on its knees, begging, pleading, hurt, angry, frustrated, in pain with its arms out, just wanting, uh, waiting, excuse me, to be heard? 
Where's our compassionate leader who's going to step up to our country who's down on its knees? The actor also called out the All Lives Matter movement, saying that right now black lives need support. He said, of course, all lives matter. But in this moment right now, this defining, pivotal, explosive moment where our country is down on its knees, we must say the words black lives matter. That coming from The Rock. And he uh, then followed it up by saying, Johnny, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? That's how he signed off on that video. I don't was care. he a wrestler? Yeah, that was his tagline yeah. when he was oh. a wrestler. Oh. oh, yeah. University of Minnesota researchers have published the first randomized clinical trial testing, I hate trying to say this, hydroxychloroquine's effectiveness at preventing COVID-19. According to a news release, the trial results determined that hydroxychloroquine was not able to prevent the onset of COVID-19 any more effectively than a placebo. Uh, it's primarily used as a drug to combat malaria. President Trump, remember, uh, has touted it as a method to keep COVID-19 at bay, even claiming that he had been taking the drug. Well, didn't uh, LD tell us something similar, Joe? Yeah. He took it for uh, uh, malaria yeah. when he was in uh, Africa. But he said huh. he would not hesitate to take it, but he's not a doctor. so Although he's never been stumped. That's true. He's never been, he's never been stumped. Joe, are you yes, eating? Joe. Okay, no, good. no. You're not? Okay. No. Strange I'm not story. Now. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, strange story from Spain. A porn star. Porn star has been arrested on manslaughter charges after a man's death during a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic oh, toad venom. You want to talk about no-go zone. <laughs> well, this is a male porn star, though. Oh. Nacho Vidal was detained last no, week. No, that's the, not his name. <laughs> Nacho Vidal okay. Nacho. was detained last week in the southeastern Valencia region of Spain in connection with the death of the man. The victim identified as fashion photographer Jose Luis Abad. The toad, a rare species which is native to the Sonoran Desert, stretching from northern Mexico into California and Arizona, secretes venom containing a very powerful natural psychedelic known as 5-MeO-DMT. Its effects have been compared uh, to ayahuasca, a powerful hallucinogenic concoction from the Amazon considered part of many rituals. Sure. Yeah. Following an 11-month inquiry, police arrested Vidal, one of his relatives, and an employee on suspicion of manslaughter and crimes against public health. Local press said the ceremony took place in the country residence of Vidal. He's a media-savvy porn star in his mid-40s whose Twitter feed is full of ads for his almost 10-inch aromatic candles of the male genitalia. <laughs> Available in black, white, or cerise. And I learned something new today. Do you guys know what cerise is? Nope. What color? color? It's a bright or deep red. Hmm. Human beings are, uh, are strange creatures, aren't they, John? You and I have always wondered... Who was the first person to <laughs> to eat a carrot and decide exactly. that it was okay? Okay, yep. who who was the first person who said, "I'm going to check out this frog venom, mm-hmm. find out if yeah. it has any hallucinogenic properties"? <laughs> who in the hell would do that? I I John, don't know. Is the candle uh, an exact likeness of of said star, Mister well, Vidal? It, it, it it appears so from the stories that I uh, could. Uh, that I found on this story. Yes, those candles are replicas, shall we say. Do you get those made? Do you get those? uh... John, what's your next story? Uh, For Such, would it be a birthday candle? (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you. A collector car dealership in Orlando, Florida, had 19 cars stolen on Monday, but thanks in part to social media, several of the rides have already been tracked down and recovered. The DuPont Registry reported that the thieves broke into Orlando Classic Cars early Monday, made off with an eclectic collection that included a 1956 Oldsmobile 88, a 1976 Cadillac Coupe de Ville, and a 1962 Chevrolet Corvette Fuley that was on sale for $85,000, the most expensive of the lot. The dealer posted photos of the cars along with their VIN numbers on Facebook, and the tips soon started coming in. As of Wednesday morning, at least nine of the cars had been recovered, including an easy-to-spot baby blue 1978 Cadillac Seville. Most were found abandoned in nearby apartment complex parking lots. That's you know, we all do this. Olds. We it's all really do cool. this, John. We all mm-hmm. do it. Uh, but we're wrong when we do it. You said VIN numbers. The, no, the, the word numbers is not necessary. Vehicle identification number. You're correct. That yeah. yeah you're right. Well, we all do it. We all do so it. it. But all you have to say VIN. is in their VIN. Their VIN. VIN. Yeah. So. Or could you yeah. say their VI numbers? Huh? No. no. <laughs> I, uh, actually, Never mind. That was, a, that was well. I'll uh, fess up. That was an ad lib on my part that I screwed up because the story says vehicle identification numbers. But of course, I thought I'd be a wise guy and go their VIN numbers. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's that's my right. fault for, that's for okay. trying to ad lib. Well, that's our worst problem, Ferrari. One other car story. Uh, Anyone who's managed to get their hands on a 2020 Chevy Corvette should consider themselves lucky, as GM was forced to cut production short due to the coronavirus outbreak. Even though the number of cars that were delivered was limited, there have already been a number of cases of the cars being wrecked, including an unfortunate new instance involving a Chevy dealership. Florida-based C8 owner Jake Anthony brought his car in for service, the dealership apparently did not know the proper way to put it on the lift. Oh, no. They went Ferris Bueller on it. Don't. The new mid-engined VET has a different weight distribution that the dealer was apparently oblivious to, oh, no. resulting in the car falling off the oh. lift. Oh, no. Well, that guy will get a new car. Well, the dealership then added to the owner's misfortune by posting images of the car without his consent. Oh. And the, Anthony ended up posting the same image of the car on his personal Instagram account with the following caption, Yes, this is my car. I did not want this to be shared publicly until after the dealer had the opportunity to correct the situation. Apparently some idiots in their service department took it upon themselves to try and get some clout from my misfortune by taking pictures and sharing them without my consent. To fellow C8 owners, please ensure your dealer is aware of the diagram in the second picture before you leave your car with them. The dealership is clearly on the hook for the damages, but a brand new 2021 Stingray might not be enough compensation. GM's corporate team has even become involved in the comment section of his post. Anthony said, I've spoken with GM executives. I'm not interested in a new base model. I'm waiting for the Z06 for my next C8. Hmm. It'll be interesting if GM responds to this situation, promises an allocation for the upcoming Z06, which is rumored to use a new 5.5-liter flat-plane crank V8. What did the service guys hope to gain by taking pictures? They said yeah, you I said the not, word clout. What kind of clout could that have given them? I don't know. Just the fact maybe they were working on that car, but then they showed they were smart enough to work on that car. So right. I, I don't know. Uh, I have a question about the value. So, Joe, did, did Chevy then essentially drive up the value since there was such a scarce amount of these vehicles? Did they? Would that have happened? I have no idea. Oh. 
Okay. Joe, have you heard anything uh, from the new owners of these, how they feel about them compared I have to not, the... Uh, I don't know any vet owners. Front engine? Yeah, neither do I. A teenager in Japan who worked as a street uh, recruiter for uh, the sex industry made a career-ending blunder when he approached an attractive woman in Fukawa's Hakata district. Uh, that woman turned out to be an undercover police officer. Womp womp. According to local media reports citing police sources, uh, the 18-year-old had attempted to convince the policewoman to make sex videos as a way of earning income during the coronavirus. The teenager, who's not been named as a minor, admitted to police that he was working for a company that was on the lookout for new faces in the industry. He would identify likely-looking targets in the crowds of the city's nightlife district, single out a woman who hit the profile and say, my company handles everything from hostess bars to adult videos. Would you like to work for us. The first public nuisance law to halt illegal street touts was introduced in Tokyo in 2008 due to complaints that the women were being bombarded with offers to work in the sex industry in various cities all around Japan. John, do you have a contact number for that that guy? I'm wondering if he needs <laughs> a big, fat, bearded dude. Last night I saw the opposite of that uh, Corvette. Uh, I got uh-huh. wind, I got wind of a, a woman about my age with a 1949 MGTC with a, an era-appropriate, don't fog for me, an era-appropriate blower on it, a turbocharger. And I went and I was, I was allowed, I was invited to see it last night, and it was just extraordinary. Mm. Did you make an offer? Uh, I inquired. Uh, it's it's going to be going to her son. Who wants oh, it? As it's not for sale. Yeah, of course, it it's not for. I didn't get to see it because it's for sale. I got to see it just because uh, she was mm-hmm. told that I uh, I have a keen interest in the, those cars. I just wanted to make sure you did the due diligence. Oh hell yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <we're> good. <laughs> the in in fact, I offered her. In all seriousness, I offered her a trade from what I arrived in. Oh oh, did she Straight scoff up. or was she polite? She was politely <laughs> scoffing. Thieves in South Africa dug through a concrete floor into a shop to steal thousands of dollars worth of liquor days before an alcohol sales ban was lifted in South Africa. The thieves made off with whiskey, brandy, gin, vodka, and beer valued at around $20,000. Workers at the ShopRite supermarket in the Newtown district of Johannesburg discovered the heist well, they went in last Friday to prepare for the resumption of sales on June 1st. Whoops. Until Monday, alcohol sales were banned under South Africa's strict lockdown regulations, which went into effect March 27th. The ban was meant to ease pressure on emergency wards and prevent a feared spike in domestic violence that would go along with the drinking. Police spokesperson Kay Makubela said they discovered a big hole on the floor next to a refrigerator where it suspected the suspects might have gained entry from tunnels underneath. The ShopRite store, situated in a shopping mall, had been secured from the outside, but not from the inside. ShopRite said in a statement the suspects avoided the mall's main entrance, instead used electrical and stormwater tunnels beneath the center to gain access to the area. It's a long story, isn't it, John? It really is. (laughs) So it's unclear how the thieves knew where to tunnel or how long it took them to get through the thick concrete floor, but they did return a few times to steal a large amount of stock, said ShopRite. End story. Fellas? Yeah. yeah. I went for a... I had to go into corporate this morning. 
when are they going to take down the plywood? God, it's depressing driving around. I know. Everything is boarded up. It's just... If our, you leave... Yeah, you're right. Because, Kenny, if you leave this building and you go towards campus on university, I, 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 I remember yeah. looking and not seeing a window that wasn't covered up for Haven't blocks. We, let's call... Let's make a... You know what? Over the weekend, let's take all this stuff down. Well, we asked that question yesterday. How do you know when to unboard? Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this. I was talking with our buddies at Elevated this morning to just see what their status was. They are uh, returning to delivery service starting today, and they hope to have their store on Hiawatha open for business starting at noon tomorrow. Thank goodness. That's for walk-in business. I can also call them right now yes, and yep. go over there, and they'll run it out to my yeah, car. They'll do curbside pickup right now as well. So for me, that's as good as open. Yeah. Johnny, thank you. You bet. Uh, We'll be back shortly, folks. It's our one-stop family-owned third-generation body shop, of course, the sole sponsor here of uh, Positive Thursday at Garage Logic. Everybody knows I'm talking about Schoonover Body Works and Glass and Shoreview and Mike Schoonover on the line. Hi, Mike. Good good afternoon, sir. So, Mike, I want to talk about the family part of the business. And basically, I know how it started. Well, I think I know anyway. Legend has it your grandpa actually started Schoonovers in 38 on a $50 loan. And then he ran it, I think this is correct, until your dad took over around 65. Your dad made the company, from what I understand, the way it is today. Each generation has made has made it better. Uh, now, uh, my thoughts is your dad is obviously way smarter than you, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think that was a was that a compliment? Thanks, Kenny. That that was a, a shot across the bow, Mike. <laughs> hey, thanks. Yeah, uh, Dad. Uh, you know, I learned every. I learned what to what was uh, both good and bad from Dad, and uh, he's taught me, uh, you know, the basics of the business, the profit and loss, how to take care of customers. How to handle employees and and uh, in general, just how to run a family business. And uh, you know, he's a he's a he's a great mentor and a, and he was a great owner. And um, is and he very happy well with respected where, within the industry? Is he but, is he happy with the way it is today? Does he like what you've done? Uh, he is very happy with where things are. You know, he's 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 that voice in the background. You know. Uh, you know, telling me, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Be careful of this, be careful of that. But the whole time he's saying, you know, he's very proud of what what our what we've done and and where we're at, and and he hears good things from you know his friends as well. So um, so we a little tip of the cap to him. Yeah, sounds like a hell of a guy. Yeah, he uh, he's he's uh, he's in, unfortunately he's in he's in failing health, and I don't know if he's going to be with us. Uh, much longer, but uh, you know, we just wanted to. We're, we're you know, we're just uh, so thankful that you know he gave us uh, a great business to be able to take over and and build a good reputation and a good strong family name and and uh, you know generations of customers have have been coming to us. So uh, so you know we owe that all to pops. 
that absolute proof that family matters more than anything. Schoonover Body Works and Glass, 80 years strong, always rated as one of the best body shops in the metro. When it comes to body shops, GLers, we all know we could go anywhere, but our choice here at Garage Logic, SchoonoverBodyWorks.com. Joe, take it away. Uh, yesterday, we were mentioning a Heather McDonald piece in uh, the Wall Street Journal in which she can demonstrate factually that there is no systemic racism in police departments. She can, she can demonstrate that statistically. And uh, uh, Kelsey notes, you read a piece by Heather McDonald on this show. I've been sending you items from her since 2016. I've included the first one below. There is a reason that colleges uh, now do everything in their power to make sure she is not allowed to speak on their campuses. The last thing they want to do is debate her on the facts. Her sources are unassailable, and she is brilliant in the way she delivers them. If you want to know where Antifa members are being created, look no further than your local colleges and universities. After going through rental properties at the U of M as part of my job, I can tell you that the literature tacked up in some of their rooms is truly frightening. I can't help but think that many of their grievances are based upon the fact that they have no money, considerable debt, and see very little in the way of potential meaningful employment. That is fertile ground for being recruited into these subversive groups. If only they would realize that the cause of their misfortune is in large part due to the very institutions that they are currently attending or from which they have withdrawn or graduated. Many of their professors continue to encourage the violent behavior we are now witnessing, knowing all the while that they have been enriched at those students' expenses. expense. And that's uh, one of the reasons the Academy has failed. Today's must-reading from the Wall Street Journal is a column by Daniel Henninger called America's New Nihilism. And he says, uh, well, he knows his craft, exactly what we've been talking about. You lefties have been in charge for 50 years. Right. And you haven't accomplished anything. And uh, so I'll just cut to some one of the most uh, interesting parts. Uh, Black parents love charter schools and voucher-supported private schools because they teach values, self-respect, and hope. But no, this option for poor and lower-income parents has more Democratic Party opposition than ever. When will we see white college students marching in the streets over this moral abomination? Never. One could argue that the job creation and rising incomes of recent years for young black Americans are more in step with the U.S.'s 244 history, 244-year history of opportunity. But why bother? The nihilism of permanent guilt is easier because it substitutes sentiment for substance and absolves anyone of responsibility for public policy errors. It remains to be learned how the American people of any race are processing the events of the past week. Media minimalism says the choice is between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It's a lot bigger than that. He also notes the failure of the liberal model is by now so embarrassing that the current owners of that model have created an alternative universe of explanations, such as blaming it on American settlers in the early 17th century or the non-existence of justice. Uh, you've, had it, you've had it for 50 years. Uh, read a really interesting editorial in the Star Tribune today written by an attorney. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, and he was involved in... Uh, uh, a case against the police department involving racial discrimination against four uh, black officers, among them Madeira Arredondo, who's now the chief. And as part of that suit, they crafted a way to uh, get to the problems of the Minneapolis Police Department so that 
discrimination would not occur, so the discrimination would not occur in the field. And uh, it was it got leaked to the media before the before they could sign their signatures to it, and the media got the uh, mayor and the council got cold feet. They're all Democrats. Hmm. It was wow. Rybex was during Rybex tenure. No kidding! Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it's in uh, it's in today's uh, Star Tribune. I also got a really interesting email today. Uh, can we, can we go back a, a second? I had a thought when you were reading that first piece um, and reiterating what you said yesterday uh, about the writer in the, the Wall Street Journal. This drives the national thought, where people who otherwise wouldn't this hatred for cops. People who otherwise wouldn't hate police officers automatically hate them without any evidence or proof. To back it um, up, yeah. Um, case in point, Such, uh, I don't want to, uh, now I wish I wouldn't have gone down this road. I'll, I'll just say it. You and I were doing a favor for a, a, a sheriff's department last year. And yeah. part, of the, part of the agreement was the cops don't know where this is coming from, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they weren't supposed to know. They found out, one, one guy found out anyway, because he's a cop. Yeah. He called me yeah. and uh, was in, in a state of almost tears because he got into policing and police work for all the right reasons. And now random people who he has not met before or come in contact with come up to him and tell him how much they hate him. Mm-hmm. And how awful he is, and what a horrible human being he is, and all he wants to do is help people, and he doesn't know if he made the right career choice. Wow. And that that floored me, and I still think about it every single day. And I, I had to tell him, and I never thought I'd be in this position that, look, we really, really need you. And for every one of these people, these randos that come up and blast you with no evidence. There's thousands and thousands of us that love you. And when I drive by a cop, I give him the old one finger off the uh, steering wheel wave just to say, hey, you know, uh, thanks thanks for what you do. Anyway, Uh, that's what I wanted to say. Well, let me read you this. Uh, It it plays perfectly into what you're saying. Joe, you guys at GL may not fully appreciate the impact of your podcast. My son, who was 40, was born and raised here in Minnesota and a veteran lieutenant in a Louisiana Parish Sheriff's Department. He has a degree in criminal justice and started in law enforcement soon after graduating. How he ended up in Louisiana is a whole other story, but he likes where he lives and he has a supportive wife and two young children. We were happy to be able to spend a month with them earlier this year. You referred uh, the you referenced the Heather McDonald piece in the Wall Street Journal. After reading it, I felt I should write a note to my son. This was my message to him. Times are really difficult for you and your fellow officers. The death of George Floyd at the hands of MPD and the graphic video of what happened was hard to watch. Unfortunately, for many reasons, peaceful protest was quickly overshadowed by riots and wanton destruction across the country. I believe in what you do and how you do it. The fact is you cannot control what others do. You can only control what you do. I know the values, principles, and professionalism you bring to every situation you deal with, and others know it too. During these trying times, always remember the vast majority of citizens throughout our country support law enforcement and those who protect and serve. It may be hard to feel and believe that right now, but make no mistake, it is the truth. In 1829, Sir Robert Peel established the London Metropolitan Police Force and became known as the father of modern policing. 
He produced a list of guiding principles that remain as valid today as when they were written two centuries ago. Quote, the police are the public and the public are the police, the police being only members of the public who are paid to give full-time attention to duties which are, uncomp- are incumbent on every citizen in the interests of community welfare and existence, Robert Peel. It's tough to be a cop. It's always been tough, but these days it's even more difficult. I bet you and the other officers are feeling pretty down right now and perhaps even thinking about a different career, something in the private sector where life would surely be easier and less physically and emotionally less stressful. For some, making a change is the right thing to do, but for most officers, I believe staying on the job is the only possible path. It is what they feel called to do. I encourage you and your brothers in these trying times to remember what led you to want to be a police officer in the first place. Attached is an article which appeared in the Wall Street Journal. I read it and immediately knew I needed to forward to you. Uh, and then he concludes, I want you guys to know I appreciate what you're all about, Steve and Forrest Lake. What a nice letter from a dad wow. to his kid. Huh? No kidding. Wow. That was really touching. Yeah, yeah. that is and, really and that, nice. That includes you guys, you men and women in MPD. I, I know there's issues there, and uh, I, I know the, the lot of you have good intentions, and we really need you. Don't give up. We really need you. Uh, Mike in Duluth. Hello. Yeah, Mike in Duluth. Hi, Mike. How are you? <laughs> hey. Go ahead, Mike. Welcome to the show. You're on the line. First oh, time he's... caller, long time listener. <laughs> <sighs> Greetings. Hi. Within the 18 pages of Governor Walls, is this guy, this guy did some GL homework. All right. What didn't Mike in Duluth just come up? Didn't he? He's oh, the guy he bought who the comes gift up card. A lot. He bought the yeah, gift card. He's a Schoonover customer. He, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's the guy he's who awesome. winter. He winters in Arizona. Within the 18 pages of Governor Walz's guidelines for safe reopening, Executive Order 20-63, are restrictions on racetracks, including horse racing and automobile racing. The restrictions limit racetrack participant attendance to 250 people, including event staff. Spectators are not allowed. These restrictions include all racing facilities in Minnesota without regard to venue, length of the event, or physical size of the facility. My wife and I regularly attend Brainerd International Raceway to participate in weekend drag races. They are called bracket races and typically consist of three to 400 local amateur racers who race their high-end performance muscle cars and dragsters. Nearly all of the racers drive their own motorhomes and are completely independent for the weekend. It is a very fun, family-oriented weekend that is spread out over hundreds of acres of campsites. Even though BIR covers 600 acres, it still must adhere to the 250-person limit, including staff and one support person per car. That calculates to 2.4 acres per person, including staff. If you deduct the approximately 30 BIR staff and a single allowed support person for each car entered, you end up with 110 cars. That is less than one-third of the typical car count. Making things worse, BIR typically hosts club races and other events on the road course during the same weekends as drag racing. Those other events have had to be completely canceled. I've done a little research and have comparisons to other type of businesses. Brainerd International Raceway, 600 acres, 250 people, equals 2.4 acres per person. The average golf course, 150 acres, 72 golfers. That's 2 acres per person. 
Average big box store, Menards, Target, etc. 120,000 square feet, 100 people equals 1 36th of an acre per person. If BIR were an average 600-acre mobile home park, it would hold 2,000 homes, one-third acre per home. If you dig through the many pages of the executive order, you will find that other outdoor businesses such as parks and campgrounds can open with no limit on the number of people who can attend. Plus, no other form of business or industry other than racetracks are required to deduct that number of staff from the number of allowed customers. In addition, why do over 20 Minnesota counties that have had fewer than 10 COVID cases need to adhere to the same restrictions as Hennepin County that has had nearly 9,000? Whatever happened to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Do I detect detect an anti-cylinder bias? I hope all Minnesotans remember this when elections come around. Good luck to us all with these bumbling brothers telling us how to live our lives. Longtime GL Lister and proud member of the Royal Order of 21sters, uh, Mike in Duluth. P.S. Since all our political leaders are tripping over each other to hand out trillions of dollars to businesses that, through no fault of their own, have suffered losses from the COVID 19 shutdown, why not pony up a few billion in grants to businesses that, through no fault of their own, have been damaged or destroyed by the recent riots? I, for one, lay some culpability for the impacts on businesses large and small for both situations at the feet of our inept politicians. What a great email, and it just sickens me that we watched our city burn, uh, and yet there's 18 pages of these arcanely written rules about you have to, uh, it's just BS. It's just BS and beef. He needs to call it off today. I I agree. I agree. we all open tomorrow. Uh, in the case of them singling out um, fuel, fuel, fossil fuel racetracks, etc., is is that a bias or is it Hanlon's razor? Is it just stupidity? That's Hanlon's razor. It's not. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll review Hanlon's razor. But I'll, while, you, I, while you look it up, I got it. Look right it up. I got it. Right I'm going to tell you. This is going to kill small racetracks. We go to dirt tracks in my family uh, around the state, and this is going to kill those dirt tracks. Very few will survive. Hanlon's razor is a saying that reads, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Now, like we could modify this. We could make this uh, Sushere's razor. Yeah, (laughs) Joe's razor. Let's make this Joe's razor. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by the hunger for power. Oh, boy. But you know what? The hunger for power constructs malice, so it's Joe's razor isn't any good. I can't top Hanlon's razor. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. What Walls himself didn't come up with these... Brainerd International Raceway rules. Somebody, you know, in third office down to the left. Uh, hey, boss, I got a plan. I got a new one. Here's, here's, our, here's our racetrack plan. Yeah. And it just goes into effect with... Uh, without any further without thought. Without any thought. Without any thought. Yeah. You know what, though? As great an email as the one Mike just sent in with, you know, with the eight, reviewing the 18-page document, you know what I just thought of? Hmm. If if we are then going to hand out money, and I don't think that th- this is a bad idea because these businesses had nothing to do with what happened, you know, with their buildings burning to the ground. You know what? That's going to end up happening. Hmm. We're going to have having another rail where uh, Governor Walls is going to assign uh, a task force that's going to help rebuild the city of Minneapolis. 
No, no, I don't know. This country has to quit printing money. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna come back and bite us. But, but I just, here's a hardworking guy in Minnesota. He lives in Duluth. He and the wife want to go to the racetrack in Brainerd. They, they obviously have the car for it, the equipment for it. And here's this phony today. Uh, no, he's not a phony. Walls is not a phony. He's, a, but he's a hypocrite today. Attending a funeral service for George Floyd, of course there should be one. But they're going to they're going to flaunt all the rules in his executive orders. Yep. They're going to flaunt every one of them. Mm-hmm. But we're going to shut down Brainerd International Raceway in a what's that Crow Wing County? I don't know what the how many cases are in Crow Wing County. I don't know. And it's then what's to say shutting it down is going to prevent anyone from getting sick or not getting sick? We don't know anymore. Back. To back your point up, Such, I, I have the funeral on uh, live, and they showed footage of Amy going by the the um, coffin and, and paying her respects, and she didn't have a mic, uh, mask on, and then somebody spoke to her, and she pulled up a, a kerchief and uh, covered her mouth, but her nose still exposed, and they were two feet apart at, at the front. Can you tell uh, from what you're seeing uh, how many people might be in attendance? Is it more than 10? Oh, heavens, yes. I'm looking at video coverage of it right now as well. Yeah, it's packed. It's absolutely it's crowded. Packed. Yeah, it's crowded. And again, the, and I, but the vast majority of the people that I'm seeing are wearing masks. And again, this was highly anticipated. Of sure. course, there would be a memorial service. That's completely understandable. But they flaunt their own laws. They just rewrite their own rules. It's the rest of us that not on that rail that have to live by these rules. It's the woman who couldn't who couldn't have a proper burial for her mom who lives by the rules. It's it's uh, we learned a lot. I've learned so much since Memorial Day. I've just learned so much about the failure of this model of governance. It's just not. It's fated to never work, and we've been under its thumb for more than 50 years, ever since the Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. Uh, let me ask you guys a rhetorical question. Okay. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase what an emailer wrote to me. He was sending me some interesting remarks about policing in Scotland and Poland and how they're unarmed. Uh, but to the best of my estimation, so are the citizenry be unarmed uh, so i think it makes a it's one thing to call for unarmed police if the citizens are also unarmed it's another thing to call for the disbanding of a police department when the citizens are armed anyway he had a, he had a great point and i i'm going to acquiesce to it and i don't know how to fix it but i think in minneapolis and maybe to a certain extent in all of the areas of the country near the tallest buildings You have officers seen only in vehicles. They live in the suburbs. They come into town. They do their shift, and they get back to the suburbs. Uh, It's unconscionable that police do not live in the city where they police. I know we've tried it, and... It's a it's a war that got lost, but it was this guy's point. When you just see them in their cars and they're coming and going, it creates a division between them and the people. What mm-hmm. is it? Uh, what is it? The f- modern father of policing said, uh, "The police are the public, and the public are the police." That's not the vibe we get now. 
the, the vibe we get is that the police, to many members of certain communities, the police are an enemy. Well, and the, and, and the vibe that, that what, what you're getting at is, uh, in, in one case here in the city of Minneapolis, I'm going to work, whereas in, if, that, if that officer lived in that area, I'm serving my community. Yeah. Yep. And I've seen proof of that, Such, at ball fields and parks, et cetera, et cetera. When uh, the Minneapolis police or even the park patrol shows up, they get out of their cars, they hang out, and they instantly go from being cops to being one of us because they're cheering. Uh, they're, you know, everybody's talking to them. They're getting hot dogs. They're having fun. And it's awesome. And, and it really helps with their public image, and it makes us feel a hell of a lot better that there's a human being behind that badge and, and so much so that i probably bragged about this before in years past where if i see a cop sitting on the corner in my neighborhood i pull over and roll down my window and say hey uh, there's a park about two blocks away we'd love to have you walking through that park and hanging out and talking to the kids well, maybe and, when know. that, was it Steve Fletcher who I was hard on yesterday because he wants to disband the police department and yep. reimagine public safety? Yep. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to walk that back a hair. There are probably ways to reimagine the relationship between police departments and citizens. There are uh, ways to reimagine that. One would be, of course, if the police lived in their own community. Uh, two, uh, I don't know, is the day of walking a beat long gone? Well, it, 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 it comes from bike cops and horse cops. We don't have any horse cops, motorcycle cops. Yeah. And, and, and as I was saying that a few seconds ago, I, I, I was thinking, they don't have time to do this because a lot of them are responding to crimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's already customers waiting. So, and since we're down this road, Joe, I, I'd like to read you an email, and I'm not going to use the gentleman's name because he, he, he asked that I, I not do that. Um, but he wanted to address something that you said on yesterday's show, and I really think he misheard you. But let me just read one of the paragraphs, okay? Mm-hmm. Joe, you have no idea how angry I am at your comment that the Minneapolis Police Department needs to be dismantled from top to bottom. How dare you? As a cop in MPD with 23 years in the job and that has lived in Minneapolis for 26 years, I am offended by your attitude. Talk about painting a group of people with a broad brush. You take five to ten bad cops and lump them in with 850 of us, typical. No other profession gets this treatment. I consider myself a good cop, very few complaints, and work with some of the best men and women I've ever met. We do a very difficult job, and we do it very well, and we are willing to give our lives for complete strangers. Yeah, but, no, that's, that's wonderful. But yep. the, but the yep. beginning of it, though, you were, you were reading the comments from Steve What's-His-Name. Yeah. That wasn't an opinion that you had. No, let me... No, let I, me let me reassure that officer that uh, I apologize to him, and I, I think I've said maybe about 10,000 times uh, <laughs> that most police officers are trusted souls. They're trustworthy souls. I've said that 10,000 times. Uh, where I, what I indicated yesterday, I, uh, I said that the Minneapolis Police Department might need a cleansing, but not of 800 cops. No. Goodness, no. No, and, and and unions uh, unions need to be held accountable for the system that's developed, that uh, makes it virtually impossible to discipline some of these cops. Although we just saw four fired, that was that was unprecedented, unprecedented. And speaking of eight hundred cops, maybe this is the good argument for the fact that we need nine hundred cops, so we do have police officers strolling around saying, "Hey, hanging in the parks," you know, and whatnot. 
Hey, do you think any of the bicycle cops have Bintelli e-bikes? <laughs> they should. <laughs> they should. <laughs> because it would allow them to go faster. Yes, it would. Bintelli e-bike from EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. Uh, bikes are going to be hard to come by. I, I'd get cracking on this. This is EcoFun right on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. They're so they're so intent on serving you now at the store, and they're and they're doing their best. There's they can't they can't offer any more free delivery. But all GLers are still getting preseason sale prices, while bikes and scooters are still in stock. And for service, of course, there's still the pickup and drop-off service provided by EcoFun Motorsports. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, I don't know what some of these bicycle stores are going to do. Tim's done an amazing job of keeping inventory available, uh, not just of the Bintelli e-bikes, but of the small scooters, which are, are my favorite. They turn every errand into an adventure. You get about 75 miles to a gallon of gas. They're perfect summer transportation to go to part-time jobs or to school or what have you. But it's, uh, it's EcoFun Motorsports. Those Bintelli e-bikes have five levels of electric assist, and they're just a splendid way now that uh, biking has become uh, America's number one leisure activity. That's quite literally true, America's number one leisure pastime. Get to EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake and do yourself a great favor. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Uh, Daniel writes, inspired by your comments on public unions yesterday, I find myself fascinated by the contradiction of those who flock to the government to fix every perceived problems, as they are the same people who would wholeheartedly support public unions and collective bargaining for, to protect workers from the exact same benevolent government. As with radical policy change I expect we'll see in the coming months, and as we have seen in the climate change push, it's not about justice or pragmatic solutions. It's about radically shifting the power structure through hijacking government in non-democratic ways. I'm all aboard with needed reform, but replacing one bully with another is not progress. As we've seen in recent days with Drew Brees and the Clippers play-by-play guy Grant Napier, public discourse is at an all-time low. The Kings, he- by the way, not the Clippers, because we'll get email. What did he say? Clippers. It's the second. No, what did, he, what did he, what'd the guy do wrong? He just uh, he was responding to a tweet and he said all lives matter and he oh. and he lost his job. Really? Yep. Any disagreement with the prevailing mob, any nuance to the discussion, will send a wave of brown coats to silence that free speech struggling to stay positive. Daniel, the only problem I have with with uh, government employees having collective bargaining is we don't have a seat at the table. Right. We're the paymasters, and we're not allowed. We're not part of the agreement. It's a it's an odd situation. Speak. You know, union, they, it made a lot of sense to keep a twelve year old out of a coal mine, and, and probably made a lot of sense to protect auto workers, give them more of a sense of being a stakeholder in a giant automobile manufacturing plant. But what the hell? Who are you bargaining against in the government? Mm-hmm. And along those same lines, uh, our gal Alyssa Algren just retweeted a headline out of the city of Los Angeles. Are you boys ready? Yep. The Los Angeles, Los Angeles Mayor Eric, is it Garcetti? Uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti and city officials plan to cut 100 to $150 million from the Los Angeles Police Department budget, those funds to be reinvested in communities of color. Mm-hmm. 
and thus continues the cycle of of, of desperate wrongdoing by the left. And they're, they're, that's they're, coming here, right? Well, they're destroying everything they right. touch. The yeah. left destroys everything it touches. Wow, that is terrifying. And and if you want me to to uh, more carefully say that, I would say, of course, there are uh, noble-hearted souls uh, among the left, but taken together. Their policies wreak havoc. They don't work. The, the model is an embarrassment. It doesn't work. You've had this model in place for more than 50 years. It doesn't work. I have begged black parents for at least 10 years, quit telling the left to do you a favor. Tell them you don't want their favors. They haven't done you a damn bit of good. And uh, I just, I, I absolutely sense that... Uh, uh, Los Angeles, Los Angeles can ill afford to trim the police department. Oh God, yeah. Any more than Minneapolis could ill afford to disband the police department. It's uh, a lot of healing needs to be done. I certainly agree with that. A lot of possible reform needs to be done. I certainly agree with that. But I just looked it up. The it looks like the annual budget of the Los Angeles Police Department is around $1 billion a year. Is that, that, e- is that right? Can that, sure. Can it be that high? Okay. Sure. That email you read me from the Minneapolis uh, copper disappointed in me. Yes. Why didn't I get that? I forwarded it to you. When? Uh-oh. This morning. Let me, let me mute. Well, oh, I would have read it. I would have read it. Okay. That's when you didn't bring it up. That's why I thought, well, maybe you missed it. So I just thought I would throw it in there because it seemed relevant to what you were discussing at the time. <clears throat> Yeah, that was a good one with excellent points. Yeah, and I agree with the police officer. I I don't recall seeing that email. So no, I was. I, I, you didn't say that uh, they need to be disbanded. No, no you just in, investigation. In and, fact, you know. wasn't the uh, the entire caption of the show description yesterday that you thought that that was a bad idea? Mm-hmm. You know, disarming mm-hmm. the Minneapolis Police Department. Yeah, I thought I had a, I thought I had an email from a guy in Alaska about that. Uh, I don't know where I put it. <laughs> I know it's from Alaska, though. He he just said. I'm uh, laughing because we've had a we've had a bit of an email exchange issue this week. That's why I'm. That's why. Yeah, I'm we have. Uh, just a minute here. I, I, How are we uh, doing there, man? I, I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. He said, uh, "Okay, let's say you go to uh, community policing. Here we go. And you and you're unarmed." Uh, he said, "You know." A lot of people are going to get tired of it, and they're going to quit. And then they're going to realize those who stay on are going to need to be armed. And the next thing you know, they'll have a badge. And then they'll probably decide to wear a certain color, maybe blue, and you're right back to having a police force. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> that was Patrick in Alaska. Well, boys. Hey, uh, really quick, Kenny. Uh, there was a what? gentleman that wanted to ask you. I think it was Bruce, uh, asked you what model your window unit was, the air conditioner you bought from Fratelloni's. Oh, goodness. The one that fits in my window. <laughs> the white uh, one. <laughs> it's It costs $274. Okay. Or it's $290. No, $299 is what it costs. 
Uh, I don't know the model. Okay. He was just curious because uh, he knew you bought it at Frats and he wanted to know which kind you bought. But it's doing a good job. I slapped it in the dining room uh, window and, it, and it's cooling the d- dining room, living room, kitchen. And yeah, it, it's it's doing its job. Nice. I didn't know Frats even sold air conditioners. He can get you. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess you know, so. Obviously, household stuff. You can too. get you one by of, three o'clock. Yeah. A lot of dehumidifiers in stock too. So if you've got an icky basement, yeah, yeah. We used to have a dehumidifier that was running about twenty-four hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say right now at Countryside, Volkswagen, Alfa Romeo, and Fiat. Our pals at Countryside and Maplewood, southeast quadrant of Highway thirty-six and sixty-one. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Zero. Did you get? Is your wife going to see the Atlas Crossport? Uh we are. We are currently in negotiations on when we are going to be able to make a trip over there. Because that's where you got to get it. Yes. Zero percent interest for seventy-two months with a one hundred and twenty-day deferred payment for all twenty nineteen and twenty twenty Volkswagens, including the new Atlas Crossport. Also, zero percent interest for up to sixty months on certified pre-owned vehicles at Countryside, a multi-generational family-owned business. They don't own 50 stores. This is it. The heart and soul is at Countryside with Alfa Romeo, Fiat, and Volkswagen, three different websites where you go to check what you want, and then you're going to call for a personal sales appointment. They'll have the car prepped and ready for you. You go to uh, SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, Mm -hmm. and SchmelzFiat.com. Do all your due diligence, get your ducks in a row, and call them at Countryside, 651-243-4316. You'll get your own personal sales appointment, and you won't uh, be bothered. The guy doesn't have to run off and talk to the manager or chase some kid out of underneath a convertible or something like that. You're all alone with your own guy or your own gal at Countryside. It's going to work out great for everyone. Schmelz, Countryside in Maplewood. Boom. Boom. It was a. It was a not a very positive Thursday, was it? Well, we made our best attempt, and at least Mike Schoonover brought a little uh, positivity to us as well. Oh, thank yeah. you to Schoonover Body Works and Glass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll try it tomorrow for Positive Friday. I still can't believe that shop was started on a fifty-dollar loan. I love that. And the loan actually came from the guy that I, I believe started Harmar. I love. It was that. a business-to-business loan. That's so cool. Yes. Yeah. I somehow I, I I keep I think I know the names of the people who founded Harmar, but I can't think of it right now. Hmm. You try to think, but nothing happens. Maybe it was Harvey and Mary Harmar. I, I don't know. Marvin Harv. Well, well, they they certainly are superstars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's, oh, 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 oh.